Well, I don't know how much any of you or each of you know about church history. If you look back to the beginnings of the early church and then you get really up to the third century when we became more institutionalized and really even more, I would say, in power, new things broke out all through history that are not pretty. They're ugly in us. They're fights and things we disagreed over and the way we disagreed. One specific one that's happened that really is a little bit of our own history as a movement is what we call the argument over the sovereignty of God versus the free will of humanity. Kind of two differing points of how we see what's going on in the world and neither of them are meant to be individual, but they were in history. And in fact, when people disagreed, they did what any good Christian would do and they killed each other. Literally, they killed each other over these things. Way to go, Jesus followers. And that's not been uncommon. We tended over history to fight and argue and have all sorts of what are called holy battles and holy wars, setting aside or missing the very way we're called, missing how to get there, but fighting for what we think is right. And make no mistake, we've definitely elevated in our recent history to things that really matter. I mean, I've had people get upset because I left my shirt untucked. They don't realize I'm just covering the belly. You want it untucked, but... <laughs> I mean, things that are upsetting to people that you don't understand what kinds of music is done or not done, what the seats look like or don't look like, what place is painted or not done, what we do here or do there, or blah, 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 blah. And we have had all sorts of fights in all sorts of churches. I'm not speaking of ours specifically. That's just how the church has struggled through its history because we're broken people and we tend to argue about lots of things, don't we? And if we go to our recent history, wouldn't we say, at least in my lifetime, I've never seen a time of more contention and more disunity over all sorts of things. We fight about who's in leadership, how it's being led, everything from social issues to moral issues to what the church should and shouldn't do to who we should be with and who we shouldn't be with. And the list goes on. And in case you are so worried it's the only time it's happened, this is one of the struggles of a community of faith following Jesus. Paul, when he writes to the early church in Corinth, has all sorts of things they're arguing back. In fact, they're similar things to today. They were arguing over leaders, who they followed, which one was the right one to follow, who got credit for this. They fought over what they perceived as either sexual freedom or sexual purity and what that meant. They fought over communion, which in case you don't know, is the time we come together to all recognize our need for Jesus. They fought how that was a problem. Can you imagine that? They're fighting over the fact that they're receiving something they didn't deserve. Oh, we should fight over that, definitely. And they fought over another area, which is gifts, which is where we are in our series today. We've been looking at something called spiritual gifts, and we see that the early church struggled with something God designed to be helpful and instead became divisive in their lives. I, I tell you that because I want you to understand that's at the forefront of what we're dealing with as we've been in this five-week series. We're into week three that we've called Gifted. Now, just to give us a little background in case you haven't been here or in case you dozed off while you were here and didn't really hear what we said. That shocks me, but it does happen. Sometimes people miss what we say. I don't know how, I don't know why. But so we started this series and we looked at the fact that God has given to his people, to the people who follow Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit. And with that, the Holy Spirit deposits in us these gifts, these supernatural ways of interacting to help us and help each other. That's the simple answer, but it's very complicated. And one of the things we looked at in the first week was that just because someone is gifted doesn't mean they're mature. And in fact, it can limit maturity because we can assume that because there's a gift, it must be us. I can't believe how awesome I am. 
Look at what I did. I must really be a chosen one and favored by the Lord. And we look at others and say, not so much to them. And it built this division in the church. So the first week, we just talked simply about this. And it's something we say around here regularly. Your character should always run ahead of your giftedness. In other words, we want to dig deeper into character always that giftedness doesn't become something we're enamored with or falsely perceive ourselves as being greater or less than because of. Now, that was our first week. Last week, really beautifully, Thad reminded us of how every one of us has a gift. And we even got to watch Oprah in the first time she did this, where she said, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you. And the same thing, you get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift. The idea that every single one of us has been given something, but it's what it all happens together as the Spirit desires to build us all up. That was the simple idea. And this week, we're going to forge deeper into it as Paul continues to kind of explain this. But I want you to see it through the backdrop of the fact that gifts themselves were things people were fighting and arguing over how they were used, who had them, and what was a gift. So Thad went over this with us last week, just the fact some of the gifts that were listed. And, and we made it very clear. It's not the only gift list of gifts. There's a huge list of them, and we don't even think it's exhaustive what Scripture teaches. But the ones that Paul lists are ones that Corinth is dealing with. So he has gifts that are listed like knowledge. Now, now knowledge is a crazy mystical gift. It's not simply I understand. It's I, under, I know something that I couldn't know unless God told me about you, about another situation, about life. You realize that's weird and mystical, right? You're getting that the gifts are not just something that, oh, that's natural, it happens. It's like, I can't explain this. And I always love it when I end up with somebody that's not a Christian, like, man, that sounds weird. And you're like, hey, dude, that's just the tip of the weird iceberg. Like, you have no idea how weird we are. We actually believe God came and walked the earth in Jesus. God is G. And by the way, he died. And oh, he didn't just die. He rose again. Okay, that's really weird, dude. Yeah, it's weird, but it's cool. And we think it's true. And if it's true, what we also believe is true, which is that not only did he rise, he gives us his very presence, his spirit, to change how we live, to help us love like he loves, to reach people that he wants us to reach, and to be his, basically his presence to a world in need. Come on, isn't that awesome? But here's the deal with gifts. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 80 years or eight days or eight minutes or you're contemplating it now. Let's be honest, understanding the gifts is pretty, we're pretty low on that right now. And let's be honest, they're pretty hard to understand. And I don't say that because I'm trying to discourage you. I'm saying it to the, could we approach these with humility and with a need to grow? Could we recognize that Paul mentioned gifts like doing miracles? Now, now we hear that and go, oh, that's a nice one. Someone else must have it. But here's the deal. Some of you may have that gift. And the only way you're going to find out is actually praying for and stepping out. How scary do you think it is to go, you know what? I know there's this, uh, someone has a gift of healing. I know I'm going to pray for this person who's sick. Is that pretty scary to do? You bet it is. So what we do is we only talk about certain gifts, leadership, because people lead either way, mercy, people can be justice, oh, or administration. We make sure the gifts that are clean and don't look messy. But what I don't want us to miss is what we're wanting to do, kind of inviting the spirit to fan this into flame, is let's be honest, these are crazy cool, crazy weird gifts. Wouldn't you like to be cool and weird? I, I would. I want to be cool and weird. And, and I'll say it, and I'll say it, and I'll say it, and I'll say it. That happens through us being dependent and humble and wanting to grow. So let's just, as we continue, be reminded. All that we're talking about is also something we have, don't know nearly as well as we think we do. 
And there's a lot that's required to grow in it. And when Corinth started experiencing it, I mean, they had things like people would speak in a tongue that they didn't know and someone else would explain it. They had things where prophecies were going on. I mean, things that we relegate to only certain movements. Oh, they do that over there. Well, I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm not going there. But it's like, no, this is how God moves. So these are beautiful, wild things that happen. I just don't want to miss, let's be honest that we're new at this and young at this. And let's, with humility, say, Lord, you're going to have to start leading us and showing us because we don't get it. Now, having said that, we also know that the very things God designed to bring us together do exactly the opposite. They tend to pull us apart. And Paul's trying to go, hey, it's only because you're getting it wrong. And we're going to keep looking at what Paul wants to say and something he's going to say to us today to bring us back to center, to understand how we're to perceive these so we move into them with the right posture and to help each other. So he continues in the passages we've been looking at in 1 Corinthians 12, and he says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. It's self-evident what's being said, but in case you don't know, and in other places, he calls us the body of Christ. He's saying that we are all Christ's very presence, and guess what? You're part of his presence, and 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 you're part of his presence. I'm giving stuff away all the time. How are you doing? Not just last week. It's this beautiful picture that we're meant to be together, and there's something different about us than any other organism and organization in the world. Now, that's both beautiful and heartbreaking. Because for me, I increasingly am running into people who've grown up in the church, some ours, some others, some lots of different places, and what I hear over and over and over again is how disheartened they are with how unloving we are to each other and other people. How divided we are. And the worst thing is when I hear them say things like, I have friends that have no interest in faith and they're more like Jesus than my friends who are Christians. So I want you to understand there's something profound in this for us to actually hear that we are part of one body, that there's something about us in our differentness that brings us together that we don't understand and tend to move away from. How many of us like, like to be with people very different from us? We don't. We wanna find people that are like us, don't we? Because it's comfortable and it's familiar. And Paul's beginning going, hey, I want you to get this, but it's not just rooted in you. This isn't just a nice idea. Well, I'm in the church organization, therefore we'll love each other. He says, no, no, you have to understand our dependence and the way we're all made. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, this is a foundational thought, but it's also a beautiful, creative understanding. So one of the pieces, and Paul does this over and over again, is he cites the groups that are all divided. Jews and Gentiles are divided, slave and free are divided. And he basically says, I don't care what separates you. When you are baptized into Christ, you are now one. Now, don't you wonder what groups he would give today if he said this? Can you imagine? Oh, do you know that you were all baptized into one spirit? Republicans and Democrats. Oh, <gasps> No, you were. You're, you're, I know you don't think you were, but you're dead wrong. You were. Young and old? <gasps> no. Men and women? No. Different people of different ethnic groups? No. You were. You were. Like what he's saying here is, do you get that we who follow Jesus are... Now, in case you don't know about baptism and what that literally means, and there's kind of two vantage points. There's what we see, and then there's what goes on behind the scenes. So the visual of baptism is someone 
when they get baptized, they've decided to follow Jesus. What that basically means is, listen, I believe this guy actually came. It's God himself. He lived, he died, he rose again. That death actually brings my forgiveness and his resurrection brings his presence and spirit in my life. So we take them in the water and we go, you're baptized, you die to sin. And we put them under the water and we bring them out and say, now you live to Christ. And they're soaked. They're not dry. You get it, right? And the soaking is a very image of the Holy Spirit baptizing and changing us. Come on. Is that not amazing? The whole picture of it is, guess what? You keep living like you're dry, but you are soaked. Come on, you are soaked. How many of us just either forget or live as if we're not? Man, I don't want to live like that. What if one of our outplays of this is just going, Lord, I know your spirit fills me, but I don't sense it and I don't know how to live in it. Help. Could we just start praying dependent things? Oh God, I love that there's all these gifts. I don't get it. Could you help? Oh Lord, I don't love like you love. Could you help me? Could you help me live into this soaking of who you are? And what Paul is making very clear is, by the way, every one of us as we're baptized into him is no different than any other one of infinite value to him. Unless you understand differently, those outside we value so deeply and run after them. So it isn't even changed there. But what he's telling us is through baptism, None is greater and none is lesser. I, I know inside you're going, yeah, that's amazing. But your faces, you need to tell your faces because I can't tell by looking at you. So tell your face, this is amazing and awesome. I'll just, I'll be good. Love it. Cool. I, I remind you of this even because the fact is we're coming up on baptism at the end of the month in August. And I would say to some of you, if you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus, it is an act of obedience, and we have stuff online you can read about it. We're not saying you aren't his if you don't, but you're missing out on the full understanding and the walking in that. And the part that Paul is saying to all of us is, listen, you quit looking at one and say, they're lesser, they're greater, they're in, they're out. Are they baptized into me? They're your part of your family. That's who they are. And he doesn't just leave it there. He goes on to drinking of the spirit. Oh, by the way, you're gonna keep drinking into who the spirit is. The spirit fills you, but guess what? He fills you over and over and over and over again. And the part I always get so concerned about is we talk about it regularly that you, we want you to cultivate what we call an abiding life, which means being and discovering communion with the Lord. And guess who helps us with that? The spirit. So when you say that's not for me, I can't live that way, we go, you're just wrong. It's not true, you can. And if you're having barriers, that's part of our joy is helping you with it. But if you believe some lie that only this person can have it or only that person can or only I can and they can't, you're just wrong. The whole beauty of this, and it's a wonderful image from scripture. There was a temple that only a few people got close to. When Jesus dies, the whole temple tears the curtain of the inner sanctum and basically he's saying, guess what? You can all come be with me. Oh, by the way, I don't just want you to come be with me. I'm gonna come fill you, so I'll be with you. Soaking all the time. Come on, isn't it good? Can we agree that what we could have versus what we live in, there's a, dis there's a disparity? Could we agree that maybe if you and I start saying we need more of you, some of that disparity might change? Could we agree that we don't really understand what we're invited to? That's what Paul's saying is, listen, you guys have been, and they've even been experiencing some of this and they still didn't get it. So when you're missing how this is connected and what it means, how we're together in all this differentness. And then he goes on to explain it further. And he just gives us simple illustrations. Hey, even so the body's not made of one part, but many. Now, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
In other words, it's connected whether it wants to be or not. It can't just say it's not. And he says it again. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye and I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. See, listen, you can say you're not part of it, but it's not true. And can't we agree that we're glad we're not all the same? I mean, oh my goodness. I just think of people who have to deal with me. Can you imagine if there were a bunch of me? Oh, God have mercy. And I don't want to deal with me. I have to live with me. I mean, we're different people, aren't we? And we miss the beauty and the profoundness of that. You know, we have that with our staff. We have different people on staff that bring different personalities and different presence and different gifts and skills. So one of our, one of our staff, Patrick Cooper, I love Patrick. He, uh, and his office is, is fairly close to mine too, so we interact even more. But Patrick uh, is our outreach. He does local outreach for us. And Patrick has great gifts and skills and abilities And he's really good at building collaborations at all three of our campuses. He's working very hard on that. And I meet and I'll interact with different people in the community. And regularly what I hear is, man, Patrick is such a high quality leader. Boy, he really helps us. He has such a great voice on these collaborations we're doing. Like I love hearing how Patrick is impacting our communities because he has gifts I don't have and others don't have. And he brings them. In fact, most currently, he's really helped us with Muskegon Public Schools and our Muskegon campus to build a partnership there because that's how God gifted him. Now, I want to let you know, too, and you wouldn't know this, but Patrick and I have a very interesting relationship. Uh, Patrick does not like to get scared. And one of my joys is scaring people, particularly on staff. And the more annoyed or reactive they are, the more I want to do it. So back when COVID was really, we were all isolating a lot more. We were doing even our meetings over Zoom, so we wouldn't all be in the same room. We were in the building at different times. So we were in a meeting, all 20 of us, and I decided I'm going to click uh, record, and I'm going to leave and go see what Patrick's doing to see if I can't get the best of him. So take a look and see what happened uh, here with my interaction with Patrick. And so you'll see I'm up in the top left there. I think I'll even draw a line to it. You can see I'm gone. I've turned on record. I wish I'd put audio. So here's Patrick. He's just having the meeting, and then all of a sudden, whoop. Oh, do you see it? And just so you know, it was so loud that Tina there at the bottom is shaking her head because she can't believe I did it. And Dave, Dave too, and Evan's just laughing. That was really funny. Love it. Yeah. Let's show it one more time because I, I think it's worth seeing twice. Can you show it again? Here we go. I just don't want you to miss it. There's Patrick, unbeknownst, doesn't know what's going on. He did scream quite loudly, though you can't hear it. Just believe me. Whoa. Ah. See it? Man, I love that. So, but here's the thing. I didn't end it there. That's just one of many iterations. So I regularly do this. And Patrick has this little mod, oh, I'm going to get you back. Like, I think it's been two years of him threatening me. I'm like, go ahead and get me. He probably will at some point. But I'm like, it's going to keep coming. Get me or not, it's going to. So now he has a new thing. When I scare him, he does this thing where he goes, oh, you're kind of getting less of it. It's not really that good. Like, you're getting weaker at scaring me, is what he says. And he said over and over again, I didn't have a response. And I finally realized, you know what? Just because Patrick says it doesn't make it true. Like he does get scared and he's got some loudness to his fear and does things. And I have others that can corroborate. I'll bring witnesses another time. But I finally said to him, hey, Patrick, just because you say it doesn't make it true. And I realized my statement actually is. And that had a lot of power. Like, you know what? He can say all he wants to, but guess what? Just because you say it doesn't make it true. Just because you say I'm not good at scaring you doesn't make it true because you might want to tell your face and all the other parts of you that freaked out when I scared you again. Now, the reason I, I share that partly is because it's just fun to tell you. But the other is, 
that's exactly what Paul's saying here is people will say, I'm not part of this anymore. And he goes, you can say it all you want to, but it's not true. I don't know if you've considered this. We live in a very individualized culture of the church today. And some people do it this way. You know what? Uh, even through COVID, I'm kind of doing my own thing now. It's me and Jesus. I got enough community at home. It's not true. People do it as they go back and forth from churches. Some leave us, some come to us, and they're like, I'm not a part of this anymore. It's not true. People will say, I don't agree with you about this. We're no longer a brother and brother, brother and sister, sister and brother. It's not true. I want you to let that sink in for a minute because of all the things I looked at this week, somehow this grabbed my attention like nothing. And I thought, God didn't take away those gifts. He didn't move them in other places. You can deny them and you can live in isolation with a bunch of noses or a bunch of ears or however you want to. But it's not true. And Paul's saying, what God gave you is part of the body. Now, Paul can't make any of us and I can't make any of you do something. But you just need to know if you're isolating and you're moving away from, it's just not true. That's what Paul's saying. It is not true. There is something bigger for you that you just are denying that even if you say it's not going to be there, it is still there. What I picture is a bunch of people kind of walking around like a little nose over here just trying to walk on the floor like, dude, come back. Come back to the face. A toe over here going, oh, get some, like, clip that one and then come back over here. I don't know what it is, but it's something greater than that for us. And he continues to give this picture. Hey, if the whole body were an eye, what would be the sense of hearing? Where would we even have that? If the whole body were an ear, where would we actually be able to smell? Where would that be? And he's giving this picture, don't you realize how we're made to be in this together? How the very act of God's giving gifts, of the Holy Spirit doing it the way he does, is intentional to be different. This is the crazy part. You and I have lots of things that separate us, and you want to know how God wants to bring us together? He gives us more things that make us different. So we'll come together. Tell me that's not contrarian to how we act and think. He kind of puts the exclamation on this as he says it one more time. You know what? God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, why in the world did God make that one like that differentness? That is exactly how he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? There are many parts, but one body. Are you getting the picture? I mean, it's kind of, it's such a counterintuitive piece, but it is so how God moves. I would say it this way. It is our differentness that we become whole. It's the very things that make us different that make us whole. And I want to be honest about this. I wish I could say, now go and love each other and be that way. Show of hands. How many of you find it impossible to love people that are different than you, that there are things that are just impossible for you? You should all raise your hands, by the way. It's okay. This is the thing we don't get as the church. We think we're called to this unity, so we're just supposed to try harder. We're called to this unity, so we're supposed to depend more and confess harder. Oh, Lord, how am I to love this person that's so different than me? Lord, how am I to love them when they see so different than me? How am I to love people that have a different posture and gifts than me? I can't unless your spirit's helping me. 
Unless you're growing my character and my understanding of just what it means that we're all baptized into you. Unless you're growing my full throttle understanding of how to love people with your love, to see them the way you do, then I can move towards loving them more. Do you get the picture of just how dependent we are on him? No, we're not just baptized by the Spirit. We have to be drinking in his very presence and help. Because when left to ourselves, we just can't do it. You know, every time I have a conversation, and I'm having a lot of them with people that have either never been in the church or are disheartened by the church, and they regularly say over and over again how hateful and unloving we are to each other, to them, to others. And more and more, I just say to them, I ache and grieve with you over that. But I know that's not how God intended it. And what that points to to me is we truly haven't fully grasped or lived into the very presence and power of the Spirit in our lives. We haven't been building the character and the inner life that allows for an outer loving life. Can we just admit we have failed at this? Because man, I have to admit it, every time I talk to somebody that's heartbroken, every time I hear another story of the pain that's been caused over the things we disagree and hate from, over the ways that we gossip and whisper about one another because of differences now we don't only know from what we read of each other. It's our differentness that we become whole. It's in our differentness that we become one. I I would like to say, uh, God's given you gifts and here's three steps and you're gonna get there and go do it and have fun. But it's just different than that. What I can say is God's given you gifts And you need to find ways to be with other people that are not all like you, serving other people. And when you serve people is how you find out what gifts you have. Gifts don't show up in a classroom. Gifts show up on on the field. They show up as you're with people. God will reveal himself and you're gonna make lots of mistakes with them. I tried that one, it went well, that one went poorly. I feel really embarrassed. That's all good. God loves you. I have done so many dumb things trying to step out in gifts. Half the time I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. But I'm gonna keep moving. Man, what if you and I started moving out into places of serving each other and loving each other? You know, we have simple ways that we invite people to serve here and they're not, they're not you do this and it's the full thing, but it's you get in proximity and you serve other people and you discover and grow in those ways. Every one of you has been given gifts, everyone. Every one of you has been given the spirit that God actually wants to commune and connect to you day after day after day. If you don't think that's true, you are wrong. And if you don't think it's true, it doesn't make it so. Man, I long to see God move in a way that we are living together and seeing those things manifest out of our differentness, not out of our sameness. I simply want to pray for us in this. And I want to give an added encouragement or challenge if you have not become a follower of Jesus, to just say, listen, I'm not telling you you have to agree if you don't, but a lot of you, you buy it, you get it. Listen, I actually believe this thing. Jesus lived and died and rose again. I can see his presence and his power in ways I can't explain. I want that. Stop waiting, just respond now. You've been in the church five years, two years, two months, and you know you're a follower, but you've never been baptized. Why don't you sign up now? Let's do it this time.
What are you waiting for? Why do we keep waiting? It's, it's blessing as we step out. You keep thinking it'll happen another time. That does not make it true. Would you step out? And man, for the rest of us who are followers, why don't you take a movement towards them? You know, we're, we're in 21 days of prayer and we're starting day eight tomorrow. And on Mondays through Fridays, we just stream a half hour guided prayer thing. And all it is is trying to help you commune. You need help? Jump on with us. You can't jump out from the morning. It stays on there all day on, on Facebook. We do it on Facebook and Zoom. We'd love to have you engage. We just want to help you. All I'm telling you is, man, God wants to have connection to you and he has gifts and things he wants to do in you, but you got to buy it and start stepping. I want to pray for us. I'm asking the spirit to lead you even as I pray. So let's pray together. Lord, I ask, uh, I really do ask that there would be a fresh filling, baptism, life, outpouring of your presence and spirit. God, would you graciously wash over us today? Would you help us to want you and be dependent on you and stop thinking we do this, stop elevating one and despairing another, but actually loving and living the way you do? We can't do it alone, Lord. I say we need you. God, I pray for some here today who are among us that have not responded but want to follow you. Could they hear your prompt to go, do it now. Come on, do it now. And they just ask, Lord, would you be my savior? Forgive me, be my savior, fill me, spirit. And God, would you do a mighty work in that? I pray for others who need courage to step out and actually go, I'm gonna be baptized. I'm not waiting, I'm doing it now. I pray for the rest of us, God, would we stop believing lies and would you help us move towards each other in our differentness? And to say, Holy Spirit, we need you not only to lead us in love, but to lead us in how we move into these gifts together. I pray this in your name. Amen.